You are listening to The Exchange with Joy and Katie, a podcast that inspires people to pursue their passion with purpose and to make an impact. Advancing the kingdom everywhere. We love to chat with inspiring people to exchange ideas on how we can live radical, Jesus-centered lives on Monday through till Saturday, as well as Sundays. Hello and welcome to the Exchange Podcast. This is Katie and Joy hosting an exchange of thoughts and ideas with people who have faith in Jesus. And we are talking to everyday, ordinary people who combine their skills and their passions with their faith to advance the kingdom of God. Now, we've recently been living through COVID-19, which has been, to be honest, a hugely different season for all of us, I would say. But we're going to spend some time with our guest today just reflecting over this period and really thinking about what's been hard, what have we learned through it, and talking about how we can reset and reform moving forwards. Yeah, thanks, Katie. I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, We've got a really good friend of mine, uh, Mark Lawrence, who uh, lives and worships in Manchester as part of the Vine Life Church family. And he and his wife, Sarah, have been an incredible source of strength and encouragement to me and my husband, Paul. And so uh, it's really brilliant to have you with us, Mark. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Hello. Hi, it's brilliant to be with you, Joy and Katie. Thanks for asking me. Great. We want to hear loads about your thoughts and what you've been reflecting on. So uh, Mark uh, runs a leadership consultancy called LW3, uh, which uh, works with uh, leaders all around the UK and in Europe. Uh, Tell us a bit about it, Mark, what you do, what your context is, what your calling is. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I spent the bulk of my career on the corporate travelator working as an executive in the IT industry. Um, about three years ago, I decided to step off that uh, train and set up my own consultancy business, which, as you say, is called LW3. The reason for that really was to kind of create a new wineskin for my life and with my wife, Sarah, that just gave us more time to focus on we, what we wanted to do, which is really to help people. And uh, in the process of doing that, we decided to focus on three things, helping people to live well, to love well, and to lead well, whether they are leading as individuals in families or whether they're leaders in church or in business or indeed in the charity sector. I'm a chairman of a a Christian counselling charity alongside everything else I do on the consultancy side. I don't describe myself as an expert. I call myself a fellow Mm traveller and I've learned that you learn more by listening than talking. So I love dialogue, much prefer it to, to monologue. And so I spend a lot of my time in conversations, which I found are incredibly helpful. Wow, yeah, you're right at listening as well. Really appreciate all the hours you've listened to me. Um, well, we'd love to, we asked this question to everyone just so that we can get a bit of context about what your life looks like. Can you tell us what you were doing at 11.30 uh, on Wednesday this week? Well, uh, on Wednesday this week, I was in my home office, whereas uh, I've spent probably, like a lot of people, the last uh, three months, I think, locked up at home. Um, but I do, I am blessed in the sense that I can work from home. So I've been working pretty much full time through through lockdown. And that looks like me spending most of my time on a variety of different video conferencing platforms, mm-hmm. helping 
anybody that needs my help, really, particularly clients, um, business clients who are obviously like uh, lots of organizations trying to figure out how to survive, if not thrive, through lockdown and figure out what life looks like beyond lockdown. So that's really involves me in probably doing three main things, helping them to develop strategy um, until you've got a strategy, it's the only thing that counts, and then helping them to execute it because once you've got a strategy, the most important thing you do is execute it. And in the process, helping to coach and mentor uh, the leadership teams that are responsible for doing those two things. Mm. So that does involve me, as I say, doing a lot of talking and a lot of listening, but it's brilliant fun. It's what I really love to do. That sounds brilliant. And I think that actually takes us really well onto our, our first question mark, which is really around uh, reflection and just thinking, you know, as we've sort of navigated through this this recent season, how would you say that you've kind of described this season? How have you experienced it for yourself? Yeah, great question, Katie. I guess I'm a, I'm a framework kind of guy. So every time I come up against a problem or a challenge, I always like to put it within a frame. I think if you can frame it, then you can manage it in some ways. So I guess for Sarah and I, as we entered lockdown, you know, that was a huge challenge. There was no map and there's no textbook, is there, for what we're facing right now, because none of us have ever been there before. So mm. what I go looking for is, I guess, navigation beacons, a compass, if you like, that allows you to navigate where there is no map. And I suppose in the process of doing that, I go looking for what I call voices and not echoes. I think many of us, and there's nothing wrong with being an echo, but we are echoes in the sense that we're probably saying something somebody has already said. Mm. Um, I love to go looking for people I call who are voices, who are saying something maybe that seems original to me, if in fact there is anything new under the sun in that sense. And, uh, and one of those voices in, in my life has been a chap called Richard Raw who's a Franciscan friar who provided me with a narrative for the second half of my life in his book called Falling Upward. If you've not read it, uh, I would absolutely recommend you do. It created a narrative for the second half of, of my life. But Richard Rohr runs an organization called the Center for Action and Contemplation, and he issues a daily um, meditation. And during lockdown, he did a series on what he calls liminal space. Now, that idea is not original to him, but liminal space became, for me, the framework within which I started to think about the season that we all find ourselves in now. So it might help if I just explain that a little bit, certainly yeah. borrowing from some of his ideas, but also seasoning that with some of the things I think that I've used in this season to help coach and mentor well leaders but people in life through this through this season so liminal, liminality comes from the, the Latin word um, for threshold um, it means the bottom of the door basically mm. and liminal space kind of is a metaphor for a period of transition which is characterized by what went before and what will come after. And uh, the Celtic spiritual tradition really had a value for this space. They called liminal space the threshold. And for them, it wasn't so much about what you do, but who you are. Mm. So in their threshold space, they concentrate more on themselves and their being rather than their doing. Mm. For me, 
I've described liminal space to, gosh, lots of people over the last few weeks and months as uh, a magnifier and an amplifier of what was already there before. Yeah. And also a place of restriction. So I'll just bring those two ideas into dialogue with each other because when I work with management teams and leaders, um, even helping people in their marriages in this season, one of the things that we've discovered is whatever was there before is now amplified and magnified. That's good (laughs) because it becomes way more visible, Mm. but also challenging because in a smaller space, it becomes unavoidable, mm. okay? So liminal space this season is both brilliant and challenging because it brings the cracks, the fault lines, the weaknesses, as well as our strengths into this season, magnifies them in a much smaller space. So now they become more obvious, but they're less avoidable. And so one of the ways in which that manifests itself, for example, is leadership teams starting to struggle marriages starting to become challenging because these issues that were there before much more visible in a much smaller space you've got to deal with them right so i think liminal space is a it's almost like a crisis you know that moment of danger but a moment of fantastic opportunity too so that's been true for me and for sarah and i'm sure for you too so that that's one of the main points i suppose of liminal space is is and that's one of the things i've spoken about probably the most that's amazing but but liminal space is brilliant because it creates an opportunity to let things go so in this season we talk a lot about what we've lost but i think it's equally interesting to think about what will we let go of yeah because what we lost sounds like something got taken from us what we let go is something we choose to put down. And I think this space and this season is both characterised or should be and will be characterised not just by what was taken away from us, by what, but also what we're willing to mm-hmm. let go. And that can involve ways of working. So for lots of us, like me included, you know, I travelled a lot and now I haven't travelled at all. So that's been taken away from me. But there may be some things that maybe in the process I also need to let go of. Um, So, for example, in the context of church, I think the platform, one of my favorite metaphors, has been taken away. But I wonder how willing we are to let it go. Mm. So one of the things I've seen leaders do is try and recreate the platform using another platform called the Internet, Mm. as opposed to maybe thinking about how we might leverage the table more. And I know, Joy, that's, you know, that's one of my favourite um, yeah. things to Brilliant. talk about. Yeah. Liminal space gives you an idea of the opportunity to ask questions, to look at things differently. And I think early on, I, I was quite taken by the fact that everybody started to talk about a new normal. What would the new normal look like? Mm. And I was just basically saying to everybody, and to some extent I still am, slow down, stop. Because the thing about the threshold is actually we want to get over it, whereas actually there's mm. real wisdom in just holding yourself in that space of, I don't actually know what the answer is, and I'm going to be okay with that. So I'm just going to be formulating in this season what are the right questions? Not necessarily do I have mm. all of the answers. And I guess that's what I'm doing a lot of right now. Wow, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. That's, uh, 
it really resonates with some of the journey that I've been on as well. Um, as we kind of dig into that then, could you describe how uh, you've responded to what you've seen and what have you heard, what have you felt when you've been having those conversations with people or, or for you as well as an individual? Yeah, so I guess I could sum that up in um, uh, uh, three L's. This is a, getting a bit of a challenge now, isn't it? Alliteration is one of my favourite things to do. But this is from Sarah, my wife, basically. Right from the very beginning, she said to me, I think this is a season for us to lean in, to listen, and to learn. So whilst I'm doing a lot of talking right now, you know, I guess I'm probably enjoying the opportunity to do that because I've been practising the art in this season of leaning in listening and learning both to the lord but also to all of my fellow travelers mm. you know the people around me leaning in to what he has to say but listen leaning into what they have to say and i think um you know this this season coincides this liminal season for me coincides with what i think has become a season of lament and I think there's something really prophetically significant and strategically significant, if I can say that, about lament. Mm. So Sarah and I, in this liminal season, have been really figuring out how to bring the lament <laughs> into our songbook, if you like. Um, it's not something that we have felt particularly um, familiar with and comfortable with. But I think it's been an important part of staying healthy in this season as we deal with loss and also deal with the letting go. Mm. Um, but also I think it becomes strategically significant, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, Raw, Raw says this, if we don't transform our pain, we, we transmit it. So I think if we feel any pain in this season, and obviously there are, there's lots of reasons, you know, that people are feeling pain right now. Some of them are economic, some of them are relational, some of them are racial. There's a huge amount of pain being felt by people and organisations, you know, across the board. I, I'm interviewing for some roles this week and I spoke to two of the three people I spoke to had been furloughed and were in the process of being made redundant. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you can imagine the pain of that is huge. Yeah. But in the lament, and I know this is Christian language, but it, we, we can help you know our our, our fellow travellers who, who are not Jesus followers to, to be able to process this in the same way. If we don't transform our pain, we transmit it. And um, Walter Brueggemann, and now the voice speaking powerfully into my life, says that lament is about transforming pain into words. And when pain is transferred into words, it creates energy which transforms despair into hope. <laughs> so I think helping people to articulate what they're really feeling, for, for me, figuring out what I really feel and giving words to that is, is transformational because if Brueggemann is right, it creates energy that allows us to transform despair into hope. <laughs> and as a Christian... Whatever sphere I'm in, I want to be a hope bearer. Mm. I want to, Sarah and I have a value for leaving people with more hope than we found them with, mm. even if we don't have the answer to their question. So one of the things we've been really doing is exploring our own pain, helping other people to explore theirs. That could be personal, organizational, just exploring that and giving words to that. Mm. But what we've learned, and this is the strategic part, is that in, the, in lament, 
there is this there is this recognition that life, the world, is not as it's meant to be. Yeah. Mm. But it's also an act of faith because it brings God into dialogue with that. And it basically says, it doesn't have to be this way. I'm not going to accept that it is this way. And I'm going to bring God into dialogue with this because he has promised that it won't always be this way. Mm. So that's where the strategic part of lament comes in for me. It's, it's transformational for me but it's reformational for my world because it's bringing God into dialogue with what I know is not right, but I cannot fix and we cannot fix without him. Because Mm -hmm. I said earlier on, it's all about strategy. Really, it's all about him. (laughs) And uh, and we've got to figure out how to do that really well. So for me, this, this reset season is me practicing the art of lament Mm. because it helps me to transform my pain and helping others to do the same. But it also creates a strategic imperative that energizes me in pursuit of reformation, which is the things are not right, but it doesn't have to be this way. And I can do something about this if I can transfer my despair and my feeling overwhelmed by all of this into hope. Can I ask a bit of a question on that in terms of um, what's the line between kind of speaking out and just kind of complaining and saying this is how it is and getting stuck in a loop of despair to actually being able to find some hope in it? What's the practice there? How do you do do that? Oh, such a brilliant question. Um, I think for me, the answer to that is that you are you understand lament is not a monologue it's a dialogue right right and complaining is a monologue that doesn't have god in the script wow okay? yeah. so yeah but if you go into if you lament biblically i think what you're doing is you are complaining but you are complaining to god so you are bringing him into the conversation mm. And lament is also the idea that this is going to be a dialogue, not a monologue. So when I finish complaining, Lord, you're going to say something, and so I need to listen. Right. <laughs> um, complaining, I think, is characterized by monologue, not dialogue. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, Thanks, Mark. yeah. really good. And I think I, I find it really interesting what you're saying, because, I mean, for myself, I actually... Um, also work in the IT industry uh, at the moment and I find that with a lot of my colleagues a lot of people are saying that they're feeling anxious and they're not really entirely sure why um, and it's interesting I think you know what you're saying actually taking some time to articulate that and really understand why are we feeling anxious because we've never been through this pain before as a, as a nation or or even globally so I think I think it's really interesting just taking that time to actually articulate it yeah, I, I, my favorite question is, how are you? And mm-hmm. then I stop talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the one-to-ones I'm doing at the moment start with that question. And sometimes they probably, don't, they probably end with it as well because mm-hmm. we never really get past the how are you answer. Yeah. But I think right now, because organizations particularly, because we're all so distributed, you know, we're all isolated within our own homes and we've all got, you know, plat- we've got platforms that connect us audio-visually but not spiritually or not even at a a physical level, you know. So I think that really leaning in to listen to one another and giving people permission to articulate the way they're feeling Mm. is so powerful and so important. If Brueggemann's right, then our ability to to bring pain to words 
And if it does create the energy that transforms despair to hope, then it's kind of worth doing because it can make such a difference to people's lives mm. just to be listened to. Sarah always reminds me, for most people to be listened to is so close to being loved, they can't actually tell the difference, right? Mm, so in yeah. this season, the way we can love people really well is to listen really well mm. to the question, how are you? And yeah, uh, yeah it's massive. Yeah. So true. And for once, we're actually all going through something together, aren't we? Which I guess, you know, usually we're, we're not necessarily aware of one another's trials and challenges. But but for once, we actually are able to say, how are you? Because we all know that we're in a challenging time. Mm. Yeah, it's and exactly right. So there's a level of empathy, I think, that, that flows from that. I think there's an interesting discussion around some people would say we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. And then actually, I've heard people say, no, we're not. We're all in different boats. We're in the same stormy sea. Yeah. You know? So there's that kind of distinction, mm-hmm. which is we all feel the turbulence, but actually we probably experience it in different ways and are perhaps challenged in different ways. But nevertheless, because we're seeing the, the same wind and the same waves, it does give us a shared uh, context, if you like, in which to be able to ask that "how are you" question and empathise with the answer that um, that comes back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. And just going on to kind of um, our next question is, we'd be really interested to hear from yourself on what do you think life beyond lockdown will look like through this lens of liminality that that you're talking about. Ooh, I wish I knew. Um, I, as I say, I'm not an expert, but I, I guess I do have some what I consider to be glimpses of what the future could look like. I guess if I'm being really honest with you, right from the word go, I did hear people talking about new normals mm. and um, and prophetic words about new wineskins. And I kind of, I have to manage myself towards some of that sometimes, I think, because I was busy just holding the liminal space for, of, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> And, uh, and I don't want to jump to an answer. Um, I do think that our, um, I think we overestimate the, gravi- the gravitational pull of normal. Mm. That's my first point. So as much as leaders, particularly in business and church, talk about like there's a new normal, um, part of me suspects they overestimate the gravitational pull of normal and just how quickly when the rules are relaxed, mm. we will all find ourselves sure. pulled back into the normal and we'll wonder what all that talk of new normals is all about because mm. it just seems such a dim and distant memory. That's that's the first thing I would say is we, we mustn't underestimate the pull of normal. I do believe this season, this liminal season, represents a huge opportunity to create a new normal for us personally, mm. for us as in, in marriages, in families, and in church communities and in business, I think there is a new normal. And some of that may well be uh, not something we choose, but, you know, something that is enforced on us. So, for example, travel. You know, I, I can't imagine myself traveling again this year, mm. yeah, because I figured out, actually, I don't really need to. <laughs> and uh, and therefore, why why would I, even though I might, you know, choose to do that down down at the end, but but we'll see. I I, I love I love the wine skin. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against the new wine skin idea. But what I would say is that the difference between an old wine skin and a new wine skin is not age. It's 
agility, it's flexibility. That's the characteristic of a new wineskin is it remains flexible. Mm. So I think the new wineskin that awaits us is probably what was there before, but something that has transformed through the liminal space that I've described to become something else. Yeah. Um, Simon Sinek in his book, The um, The Infinite Games, talks about the fact that resiliency isn't about resistance to change. Mm. It's about the ability to adapt to it. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm helping organizations with right now is how to transform through this season. So they come out at the end of it, not just having survived, but to some extent ready to thrive I guess in some ways gaining competitive advantage through the mm. fact that they've been able to use this season to transform, yeah. to create, in effect, a new normal for mm. them. Um, I can give you, I guess if you'd like, I could talk a little bit about what I think that means in terms of some of the specifics, because I think obviously that's all very good in concept, Mark, but what do you really mean? Would that be helpful yeah. if I just... Yeah. Um, so I think I think one of the trends that I think will 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 be a part of that new normal is a, is is far more local than global mm. i think you know before lockdown the, the world you know was 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 within arm's reach and then all of a sudden our worlds are contracted and all of a sudden many of us have gone local mm. you know we've been going to the local butchers and the lo- local fishmongers and the local toy shop <laughs> and many of us have rediscovered local i think there's something really significant about the local and um, I think individuals, businesses, church communities, I think will find themselves more uh, taken with what they can do locally than having their eyes distracted by, you know, the ends of the earth. Because yeah. we figured out, actually, we've, the world's on our doorstep if we realise it, mm. you know. So I think that's, that's a really important. I think leadership and strategy, I think lots of things companies, organizations are very centralized, were. Lockdown forced us to be very much more distributed. There's a great business book called The Spider and the Starfish. I don't know if you've ever read it, Mm. but it's really all about this idea of centralization versus decentralization and resiliency that you create and the impact that you create by devolving leadership to the fringe rather than centralizing it all, you know, within HQ. So I think a lot of the organizations I'm working with will find themselves looking to decentralize, mm. you know, in that respect. I think we've been pre-lockdown. It was all about competition. How do you win? How do you beat the next person? I think we there's a lot more opportunity for collaboration yeah. now, as opposed to, co-op, you know, co-opetition, you might call it. How do we all help each other? Even if we thought we were competitors before, what does it look like to partner together? you know, to make, you know, to make everyone successful. I think that's really important. I think this balance between making money um, and meeting needs, Mm. you know, I think I've seen organizations, you know, focus very much on profit, but in this season, far more, uh, well, interested, far more interested in the well-being of their staff. That was always there before, you know, well-being in the workplace was a thing before lockdown. But it's become a massive focus now as companies and organizations are focused on the well-being of Mm. their staff. And actually, I remember having major arguments with some of my bosses in the past when I would say it's all about the people and they would say, no, it's all about the numbers. And I would say, no, it's all about the people. (laughs) Um, Because ultimately, people drive numbers, you know, and people make numbers. So I think that focus on meeting needs, not just 
making money. And um, I think there's going to be a huge opportunity for the church to figure out how to show up in business, yeah, and help the economy through wealth creation. I think mm. one of the trends there will be, you know, this concept about, I don't know if you, you've talked a lot about it, but ministry in the marketplace, mm. you know, apostles and prophets in the business world. And uh, I think there is an unprecedented opportunity now for us to, to take ministry where it's meant to be yeah. off the platform and into the work, into the workplace to help organizations to navigate their way through this in a way that is creating wealth, but also meeting needs. Because let's face it, the public services that are going to be available to support people, for example, in the area of mental health, was stretched before, you know, COVID-19. They're going to be obliterated in the life after lockdown. So the church has got a massive opportunity. And I also think Christians as well, you know, there's this, um, it's probably never been a better time to start a business, which sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, you know, but many successful businesses, you know, like, for example, uh, Uber, I think, is one, you know, and uh, other Burger King, I think, is another. <laughs> I think CNN is another. There's lots of examples of businesses that were started in financial, you know, recession yeah. that have gone on to be really successful. Um, and maybe some of that's necessary, you know, so I think entrepreneurship is going to really, going to really take off, partly because people won't be able to find real jobs, right? So they're going to figure out, I think they call it necessity entrepreneurship, when people think, I can't get a job, so I'm going to start a business. Wow. If yeah. I, re- I read something today, um, in May, in the States, 60, there were over 67,000 new business registrations, which is up 20% on last year. Wow. Now, some of that's driven by necessity, but some of that's the creativity, I yeah. think, of liminal space. Because one of the things liminal space says is, what do I really care about? Mm. Right? I think some people are figuring out in liminal space, I don't really like that job. I wasn't really doing the right thing. And this liminal space has given us an opportunity to figure out what do we really want to do with our lives? And I think some of what will happen is that will get channeled into, you know, people who decide, well, I can't get find a proper job anyway, so let me just start my own business yeah. and uh, and see where that gets me. You mm-hmm. know, So I, I've rattled off a lot of things there, but hopefully some of that's useful. Really good. Yeah, I love that. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been uh, so much gold to hear from you uh, and treasure to kind of uh, dig out there and there's loads for us to be thinking about and so lovely to talk to you and hear your wisdom and your voice thank you so much for sharing with the glx community uh, and joining us tonight thanks for asking me it's been brilliant it's great and thanks for listening this has been the exchange podcast with joy and katie and our guest mark lawrence Uh, we'll catch you next time